any response other than humility will warrant a response of God to, I'm going to war against you. I'm going to fight against you. I'm going to fight against you all the days of your life. I'm going to fight. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. And so, Father, as we begin to open your word, the truth here this morning, may our hearts sing with a new confidence in you. Help us to know that for the true believer that you are for us and not against us. That we have nothing to fear as we fear you. And so, Father, we ask that you would move in this place. We pray you'd protect us from the schemes of the enemy. We pray that any of his schemes would come to nothing. And we just ask that you would give us boldness and courage to stand for your word and for your truth in the midst of a culture that's off the rails. Oh God, we pray you'd use us. We pray that you would use us to move the needle, to pierce the darkness. And to you be that praise and glory for anything good in us. O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and only you, my Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hide me behind the shadows of the cross. Give me a divine unction that only comes from you, O oh God. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, looking at verses 16 through 18 here today, and as we bask in the Word together, as we, we starve for it, as we feast on it, I'm going to begin reading in verses 12 to give us context, and then we'll anchor in on 16 through 18. And here's what the Word of God says, Holy Scripture, Sola Scripture, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 and following. It says this, Therefore, Peter writing, of course, I intend always to remind you to repeat these qualities, the seven. We've studied these in 1 Peter 5 through 7, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, holiness, brotherly affection, and love. Why? Though you know them and are established, you're rooted in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, I'm still alive, Peter says, to stir you up, to wake up, to shake up, to ignite, to fan the flame by way of reminder, by way of repetition. 14, 
since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. He knows he's going to exit this earth soon, as the Lord Jesus predicted back there in John 20, 18 through 19. And then in 15, he makes this statement. He says, and I will make every effort, I will strive with great exertion. Why? So that after my departure, after I've died, Peter's saying, you may be able at any time to recall, remember these things. Remember, Peter most likely is in his 70s writing this from a Roman prison. He knows his death is imminent under Nero. And then he says these words in 16. Here it is for today. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just make a note of that phrase, cleverly devised myths. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from the Father, that's God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, referring to God Himself there, who said this, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. 18, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And all God's people said amen according to His word. You know, today we celebrate this Memorial Day, Sunday before Memorial Day. I think of our soldiers, I I think of the school shootings, I think of all's going on with Roe v. Wade, I think of how the enemy continues to work in our culture. And as I process these things and I think about these things, the, the thought that came to my mind this week A clarion call that that I pray that you'll be stirred to the depths of your core would be this. That the greatest memorial that ever happened happened on a hill called Calvary. And Jesus rode into town that, that, that holy week and as He rolls into town there on a borrowed animal, a donkey, a colt, He He goes into a borrowed grave because he knows you don't need to buy a grave that you're not going to be in very long. Amen? And then he rises from the grave on the third day. And there's no greater memorial than Jesus running out of that grave. Peter, church history tells us that when he was executed that he insisted that he be hung on a cross upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be executed like his Savior right side up. Church, something happens. Something happens in the heart and the mind and the soul that that when the Holy Spirit gets in there and begins to remove the blinders and the scales from a person's life and they begin to see Jesus for who He really is, that that He turns their world upside down. As a matter of fact, you see this right here in this text. 
right here as you dig into this text, as you feast on it, as you put your napkin in and, and you got your fork and your knife and your spoon and, and you're digging in today because you know it's the truth as you feed your soul, as you nourish your soul, that, that you know it's going to be the one thing that, that's going to hold you in life, that He will hold us fast, church. Peter says these words in verse 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Think about this thought, cleverly devised myths right there in your Bible. It means this, intentional, premeditated, well-thought-out lies to attempt to discredit the truth and the truth-tellers. Let me say this one more time. Here's what this means, this phrase, cleverly devised myths. Intentional, premeditated, well-thought-out lies to attempt to discredit both the truth and the truth-tellers. See, it's interesting that you've heard me say this, that the enemy really has one card to play. It's called the lie. The Bible says this, not me. The Bible says this, that the enemy, Satan, is the father of all lies. He was a liar from the beginning. He's a liar today. He's a liar that will end up in the lake of sulfur, that he will rot and burn forever. And those who follow him, those who worship him, will be there with him forever. There's no turning back. There's no do-overs. Don't get any second chances. Don't come back as a cow. That's not how this works. You get one shot at this, and then once we step into eternity, one zeptosecond, it's the smallest amount of time that I can think of, one zeptosecond inside eternity, you will not be able to go, you know what, I was just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, Jesus. It's gone. And that person will face the fury and the wrath of God forever. That's the Bible. See, the gospel can only be good news if there's really bad news. Otherwise, it's not good news. It's just news. It's the greatest good news. It's the greatest great news. It is the greatest news ever because there's really, really bad news. And Jesus, He he suffered and He bled and He died to transform Peter's life, that as Peter would begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, he would be able to write these writings with confidence. I don't know if you picked up on this church, but he's about ready to die. Like he knows his death is imminent. Nero was a bad dude. You didn't mess around with Nero. He'd have your head, literally. And Peter knows this is coming, and he's not panicking. He's not saying, you know, I need to you know, get my will in order and go over here and do this. He's just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to continue to preach what transformed my life, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He stayed true to the mission to the end. Question for me and you, am I or are you staying true to the mission to the end? Are we being distracted? Or are we over here squirrel and over there squirrel? And are we focused on things that really don't matter? Or are we so dialed in that, that we will continue to reach into this community? We'll continue to pierce the darkness. When everyone else is running out of the fire, oh, I pray me and you are the ones that put on our gear and we're the ones that are running back into the fire. 
But the only way, the only way you and I will be able to do that is if it's real in our lives. Write down this key number one in your notes, key number one. As I anticipate the power and majesty of the second coming of Christ, I must be vigilant, not in a military state, in a mindset. I must be vigilant in a mindset to guard my mind against the clever schemes of the enemy. Let me say this again. Key number one, write it down. As I anticipate, and I pray you're anticipating, the power and the majesty of the second coming of Christ. Let me say that again. I hope you're anticipating. I hope you and I today are so unattached. (laughs) Hope we're so detached from this world. As one pastor said, if, if, this is, if this is your best life now, you're going to hell. I hope we're so detached and so in love with Jesus that we realize that the only thing that will bring us the peace and the joy and contentment that we crave is Jesus. Total surrender, total abandon, not half in, half out. No, just total surrender as I anticipate key number one, the power and the majesty of the second coming of Christ. When you read Scripture, man, He's coming on a cloud, amen? I mean, this isn't one of those deals where kind of like, you know, did something just happen? Oh, no, you'll know when Jesus comes to town. Like, you're going to know. And He's going to come in all of His glory, all of His splendor, all of His doxa. As you and I anticipate this, we must be vigilant. I must be vigilant. Make it personal to guard my mind against the clever schemes of the enemy because he is oh so clever. Ooh, he is. He makes right look wrong, and he makes wrong look right. And you've heard me say this, if we don't, church, if we don't, as I hold up this Bible, if we don't know what's true, how will we identify His schemes? How will you truly, Monday through Saturday, how will you identify if you're not in the Word and the Word is not in you, it's not in me? This is the way we do this. You say, well, how do we take this, Pastor? How do we take this and shape this into this thought? Well, Luther said this interesting statement. Listen to what Luther said. Though we can be active in the battle… If we are not fighting where the battle is the hottest, we are traitors to the cause. Wow. Think about the Word of God from Acts chapter 20. Write this down, Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Listen to what Paul says and ask yourself, does this sound eerily familiar at all? Acts chapter 20, 29 through 31. Dr. Luke is penning these glorious words for Paul. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And even from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, clever, you're right, devised myths, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering, repeating, that for three years, listen to this, I, Paul, did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
See, Paul knew the cause he was fighting for. He knew that he was going to be willing to do whatever it took. And Peter began to model that same thought process that both of these men who stood there, Damascus Road, Paul, and there's Peter who listened to every one of Jesus' sermons, and there they are towards the end of their lives, and they're counting everything else as loss, just everything else. Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul writes to the church in Colossae. Listen to what he says here about these cleverly devised myths. See to it that no one takes you captive, prisoner, hostage, but what? philosophy and empty deceit. See, deceit is always empty. It seduces, it lures, it sounds good, it's not really good, it's not right, it's really wrong, and it's empty according to what human, there it is, tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to, help me church, Christ. Paul goes on in 2 Timothy as he warns young Pastor Timothy here, who was, I think we could argue, was somewhat fearful. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, again, these cleverly devised myths that Peter says, no, we're not going to do anything about this. We're going to be vigilant against it. We're going to guard our hearts, our minds, and our souls against these clever schemes of the enemy. And Paul writes... But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Can we get an amen moment on that one? For people, here it is. Tell me if this sounds familiar. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedience to their parents. All the parents said, amen. Ungrateful, unholy heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with deceit, just puffed up, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here it is, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And here's the instruction, avoid such people. Wow. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Think about 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. Write that one down. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and now just go to chapter 4, 1 through 5. Here it is, Paul's charge to Pastor Timothy, who's fearful. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. <laughs> Interesting. The one thing he tells them to do out of the gate, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Hey, when they love you, when they hate you, keep doing it. 
reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. (laughs) We're here. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to the truth. Help me, church, and wander off into myths. Wow. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. I thought he was a pastor. He is. Fulfill your ministry. Calvin said that like this, powerful statement from Calvin here, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward, he says, if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. You know, it's one thing, church, to to read Scripture, and that's a good thing. It's a great thing to quote it, but it's a whole other thing to obey it. I can read it. I can quote it to you. But it's a whole other thing to obey it. Think about what Peter now does here in verse 17. Listen to these words. He drills down deeper. He drills down deeper on this majesty of Christ. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, again, that's referring to God, who said this, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice from heaven. And we were with Him on the holy mountain. I want you for a moment, take your Bible, and I want you to take a really long drive from verse 17, and I want you to drive all the way over to verse 16. And it says this, we just read it, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, are all God's people excited about that day? Say amen if you are. But we were eyewitnesses, this is key, of His majesty. We were eyewitness. An eyewitness is able to give evidence of what they just saw. An eyewitness gives evidence of the truth and reality, if they're telling the truth, the eyewitness that is. They give a truthful testimony of what they just saw. Go back to 17. Take that long journey to 17, and here's what it is. We ourselves, verse 18, excuse me, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. What on earth is he talking about here? Like, what is he getting at here? But before we answer that question, I want you to write down key number two. Write this down in your notes. Key number two, same intro, because I believe it to be critical in my life and your life. As I anticipate the power and the majesty of the second coming of Christ... Question, am I willing to count the cost to deny myself, not be a lover of self, as what we see that Paul told Timothy in the last days, take up my cross, number two, follow him, yes, even if none go with me? 
as I anticipate the power and the majesty of the second coming of Christ, as I see the treasure for who Christ is, and I cling to the treasure and the hope that's only in Christ, as I anticipate this, and I just can't wait, God, I, I can't wait till you come is what you and I should be saying. But while we're here on this earth, we continue to be bold, we continue to be diligent in the task He's given us. But as we're anticipating this, we've got to ask ourselves a question, am I willing, are you willing to count the cost? to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Him even if none go with me. What on earth is Peter getting at that he was an eyewitness? Is he just talking about, and justifiably so, we could argue this, is he just talking about that he was there with Jesus on this earth? I mean, he saw a lot, didn't he? I mean, think about what Peter saw. I mean, Peter was there, like he was there. He, he saw Jesus do some crazy stuff, didn't he? He saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Peter was an eyewitness to those things. But I think we see the answer as you analyze this text and you dig deep into the Scripture. I think we see what he's referring to. Take your Bible for a moment, hold a place in 2 Peter, and turn to Matthew. Turn to Matthew, go all the way to the left, just turn there and go to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 17. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, this is what he's referring to. Matthew 17, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 to underpin this second point. And here's what the Word of God says. Matthew 17. Follow along. And after six days, how many days? Six. This is very key, very, very key. Jesus took with him who? <laughs> Peter. <laughs> okay, that's a good sign. And who else? James and John, his brother. And he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Get this visual, what's going on here? Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to take you, Peter, James, and John, his inner three, when you study how many people that you can effectively lead at one time, there's some answers that have some play in them, but you see very clearly, very clearly when you study this stuff, that you get over 10 people, that's going to be a stretch. You get down in the five range, and we see three right here, and I think there's a model, not from the world, but from the Bible, that we see Jesus had 12 disciples. What happened to Judas? Man, the devil entered into him, but we know this, that Jesus really had three, kind of his posse, his band of brothers. He had three guys that were with him, that were fighting the battles with him later on in life, <laughs> not when he needed them most. They're asleep at the wheel. But that's the good news for me and for you today, that even though we might be spiritually asleep at the wheel, God's not finished with us, amen? That He can take our mess and create the message. He can take our trials and create the triumph. He can take what seems to be a no-way situation, a no-hope situation, and He can part your Red Sea and part your Jordan today as you submit to Him first. Well, what happens next? Well, here's the answer, what's going on here in verse 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Wow. And his clothes became white as light. 
And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets are represented at this summit on the mount talking with him. Now, no verse 4 is going to be a shocker. And Peter opened his mouth, I know, hard to believe, and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. I always chuckle when I read that. Can you imagine Jesus going, thank you, Sherlock. I am so glad you told us it's good that we're up here. Peter, Peter, Peter. But aren't I and you the same? If you wish, he continues, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. However, verse 5, he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, how did they respond? Were they boastful? Were they kind of, man, Jesus, I know you're glad that you're up here with us. I bet you're glad that you're hanging out with us. No. They fell on their faces in humility is what they did. They were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Did you catch that? How many of you today need a touch from Jesus? How many of you today need a touch from Jesus? See, see, here's the deal. This is where we get this thing just off the rails. Did you notice how they responded first before he touched them? Any response other than humility will warrant a response of God to, I'm going to war against you. I'm going to fight against you. I'm going to fight against you all the days of your life. I'm going to fight. And he touched them. He said, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one only but Jesus. Read that verse out loud with me, verse 8. Read it with me right now. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Question for me and you today, when you're looking up, who are you seeing? I don't know about you, the only place I want to be is when I look up every moment of every day, all I want to see is Jesus. I just want to see Jesus and all His majesty and, and all His glory and all His splendor. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see, Jesus, is you. Oh, I don't want to get caught up in cleverly devised myths. And the enemy is so clever. He devises these lies that distort and they, they kill and they steal and they destroy. And Oh, church, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me even right now as I'm talking that, oh God, would you do a work in my heart and do a work in our hearts, oh God. Would you, would you shake? Would you move? Would you stir? Would you, you bring the awakening? Would you bring the revival, oh God, that, that we would see clearly? Would you soften our hearts and remove any hard hearts and give us soft and tender hearts, oh God, to, to see you in such a way that, that we've never seen before, oh God, that, that through humility 
that, that you come and touch us. And after you touch us, we look up and all we see is you, Jesus. Oh, what would happen in our homes, our community, and yes, our church, if, if I and you began to live that life, fully surrendered, fully devoted, counting the cost, taking up our cross, the extent of the Nile, just following Jesus. I was sent a verse here this morning. It's not on the screen. It's Galatians 1.10. It says this. As Paul was writing, he, he says, do I please man or do I please God? This was sent to me this morning. That's a great question, isn't it? Do I please man? Do I please God? You can only please one or the other. And then Paul goes on in that same verse. He says this, for if I please man, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus. I would not be a willing servant. A bondservant in those days was one that willingly gave up the rights. And when you come to know Jesus, when you give your life to Christ, what you're doing is you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to willingly, I'm going to willingly give you my life. I'm going to turn over my rights to yours. That's a true follower of Jesus. Are we willing to count the cost? The cost is high. It's brutal. But there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Are you and I, are we beholding the majesty of Christ today in our lives? Are you and I listening to the noise and all of the cleverly devised lies and myths that are out there? Are we saying, nope, not going to listen to it? Just put a stop to it right there. Go, nope. Nope. Boop. Boop. Nope. Nope. Or are we willing to Listen. See, here Peter was one of those men that I think of that went against, that pushed against, that did not live this statement, which is for the only way for evil to triumph, you know it, is for good men to do nothing. We're living in a battle. Stick our head in the sand and just think it's not, but we're in a battle. And the enemy, if you're a professed Jesus follower today, I pray everyone across the room is. If you're not, I pray you'll give your life to Him today in total surrender. But if you're a true follower of Christ today, the enemy hates you. He hates your family, he hates your marriage, he hates your kids, and he's going to do every scheme in his clever myth box to destroy you. The only way for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing.
If you desire to live out these qualities, these seven that we've been studying, you will be inconvenienced. Did you notice in the word here in Matthew? It says here that Jesus interrupted Peter. <laughs> Peter's got his, his spiel, his opinions. Jesus interrupts him, and then he also overshadows him. But here I want to give you two truths. Jesus was vehemently hated as he taught truth. Paul was vehemently hated as he taught truth. Peter was vehemently hated as he taught the truth. So if you're willing to teach the truth, you're going to be hated. But what do we do? Well, it's pretty simple. We hold the line is what we do. You hold the line. I mean, we're fighting for this. We're fighting on behalf of people. We're, we're fighting on behalf of these schools we mentioned. We're fighting on behalf of your family and your children. And we're fighting on, fighting on behalf of your relatives. We're fighting on behalf of them because this is a spiritual battle that must be waged. It must be fought. And unless we embrace our own spiritual poverty in humility, we'll never really have Jesus touch us and we'll never look up and see Jesus. So what are we going to do? Well, it was once said that whatever wins our affections will control our lives. Let me say that one more time. It was once said, whatever wins our affections will control our lives. Therefore, here's the thought. For those who've never truly given their lives to Jesus, unless they repent and surrender all, what awaits them is the unrestrained wrath and fury of the God of the universe. God will declare war on that person. And here's the challenge. The trap is this. See, the trap, it's much easier to pursue a program than it is to pursue holiness. That's the trap. The trap is just pursue a program. Don't pursue holiness. But God, hear this clearly from God's Word, God will not hold those guiltless who stand in the way of the gospel. God will not hold those guiltless who stand in the way of the gospel. There will be a price to pay. And that's why for those that are saved, and again, I'm praying that everyone is, but if you're not, I'm going to pray it again. God, will you save that soul today? Will you illuminate in their heart, their mind, and their soul? Will you remove the blinders? I pray they would not surrender some today. I pray they would surrender all because here is the linchpin thought going back to 1 Peter 3.18. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. And here it is, that He might bring us to God. That's it. That's it. That's it. For you that have given your life to Jesus, He has brought you to the Father, and you're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of the King. You've been adopted as a son, a daughter, an heir of the great God of the Bible. And that's what it's all about, that when we talk about the majesty of Christ, if you can just sink your teeth into that reality, if you can somehow sink your teeth into this, just begin to just marinate on it and chew on it, that, that wait a minute, you're telling me that because of what Christ did and a sacrifice, it wasn't a ticket to punch, it wasn't a coupon to get fire insurance. No, He actually brought me to God. 
And here's the thought. For those who have never truly embraced that, they will fight, they will kick, and they will scream against that all the days of their lives until they repent. Therefore, church, let's stir one another up in love. The greatest love you can tell your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband is this. Spiritual danger awaits. There's no greater love. Oh, I pray that you and I would take from Peter these great truths and obey regardless of the cost. Father, we come before you and Lord, in this time, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll move. Lord, I pray you'll move in this place. I pray you'll move in my heart. I pray you'll move in all of our hearts, oh God. God, would you stir and awake, ignite, will you fan the flame for those who have given their life to you and it's real. Oh, Father, for those who have never really given their life to you, it's not real. Lord, I pray today, would you do something? Lord, we can't get creative enough to draw people to your side. We can't implement enough programs or enough coolness. But what we can do is we can pray. And as we plead with you, Holy Spirit, the Bible is clear. No one comes to the Father unless he be drawn. John 6, 44. Oh, Father, we pray you to illuminate right now for that son, that daughter that's rebellious. For that wife, or that husband that continues to put off giving their life to you. For that coworker, that neighbor. Lord, will you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Don't allow us to be casual Christians. Don't allow me to be a casual Christian. But ignite, fan the flame, stoke the fire. Oh God, I pray if there's one here today, may they be saved. May they be regenerated by your power today, Holy Spirit. Move all over this place, oh God. Move right now, I pray. Just move. Move in power. Show yourself mighty. Fight for us, oh God. Fight for us. Don't allow any rebellion, but humble, soft, tender hearts. Oh God, move in this time as we respond to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.